Yay. Yay. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. My name's Aleda. And I'm Miranda. And together we make up the sidekicks. Boop, 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 boop. We're back. New month, new topic. <laughs> it's February. It should be at least. Um, Do we, we can only assume. We can only, I can't tell the future, but I can plan for it. So. <laughs> Right. Should this be February. Oh man, it would really suck if like the world ended January 31st. <laughs> Nobody would hear the mess that is Cyclops, Gene, aka Phoenix, aka Dark Phoenix, and Wolverine, aka I think Logan, and then I forgot his other name. His it's like John. James Logan. His name is James? like James Logan, but they all call him Logan. He has another name. Does he? It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I, don't goes know. I know in the movie, Sabretooth calls him Jim. And it's like, like, we're brothers, Jim. <laughs> or Sabretooth, that's the name, right? Yes. It's like, we're brothers, Jimmy. Jimmy <laughs> um, Yeah, so we're going to be talking about that today. And specifically, the Cyclops, the adventures of Cyclops. And what the fuck? Is it Gene? <laughs> Is it what Cyclops are we reading? I think I it's Cyclops and Phoenix. I'm looking for it. I lost it because I read it all and the stupid app. Vanished it. Yeah, I know. Is it Cyclops and Gene? Let's try, try Cyclops and Gene. I think it is. I don't think it's Gene. I just always call her Gene. Okay. I'm just going to search Cyclops and and then I hope it shows me the right thing. It's James Jimmy Howlett. That's Wolverine's other name. James Howlett? Yes. And where does a Logan come from? He. It is such a shit show. <laughs> it's such a shit show his code name is logan i think it's because like he, something happens in his childhood and he takes on like someone else's name basically i read it and i forgot it okay he takes on another person's name it's like his i don't think was it an adopted for someone's gonna be like listening to it like i know exactly what they're talking about please we would love to talk to you uh he like just picks Logan, I guess. I thought it was like inspired by somebody, but I'm not seeing it, so I'm not spending a whole lot of time. All right, all right, that <laughs> just, makes more sense. Just I'm sorry, Howlett. Going crazy. I thought Howlett was the fake name. Because guess what? He also has a kid and her last name is Howlett. Yeah, he has like I think like three kids. I don't know. I found one. There's too I don't, many kids. No. There was a point in time when there was like a comic and it was like the two sisters and one of them was like a 12 year old and one of them was like an 18 year old and they both had like the <sighs> jings. The things. Yeah. Yeah. The jing, you know, like the, the claws. Yeah. Blades. Claw yeah, the, blades. It's, yeah. They're yes. bone. They're bone and then they're coated in metal. Yes. What a fun time to be alive. <laughs> this exists yeah. in the real world, everyone. You can do all this research and look up that it was all just for shits and giggles. Okay. It was all I've to stroke Chris Claremont's, like, it was all to stroke Chris Claremont's ego. Yes. Oh, my fucking God. Sorry. I clicked something and something happened. No! Okay. It's fine. Everything is fine. Okay, everyone. We're going to be talking about the adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix starting from 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, issues one through four. These are on the app, so don't at me for missing issues in between. This is just what was on the stupid app. I think it's just these four. I think it was a limited run. Yes. They did a, like a, a post one, but we only did the first four. Okay. Um, and cool. so Scott Lomdell was the writer. Gene Ha was the penciler. Um, and then I think there's more creatives as you. Yeah. Right there's a, like a point in time where there's like five anchors. Yeah. 
Okay, no. So I'm just with those two. And as they come up, we'll read them out. Um, yeah. So the adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Miranda, have you ever read this? God no. It's not so quick. It's not that it was awful. It was a fuck no. It was <laughs> it was just covered. This is not anything I ever would have read on my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I would have, because I'm like, oh wow, what is this? <laughs> like it's just I don't know it's I it's not that I didn't enjoy it I enjoy most of the things we read but people talk about how like the 90s art sucked and most of the time I disagree but I'm not a fan of the style it's very convoluted I think Jean Ha I think was hired for their ability to create really beautiful architectural drawings. Yes, and the people fall on the wayside. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's firmer than I would say like Frank Miller's style as a penciler is. Like it is firmer, it is more grounded, it's less like dough wrapping. But it's still kind of that really pencily, everyone's slightly hideous style. Yes. And also it's... everyone's huge for some reason. <sighs> they are giants. <laughs> There's, um, yeah, I would say it's very, like, well, most, if not all, comic book styles are very stylized. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a reason that trends happen and all that. But, yeah. yeah, definitely, like, the architecture, the perspective that we see on some of these buildings um, is very cool. We deal with a lot of, like, metallic imagery in this because it's uh, not, like, well, it's the future. No, it's yeah. the past. No, it's, it's a, a dystopian world. future. It's a dystopian okay. future. <laughs> um we are so 2,000 years in the future. Thank you. So it, you know, it's cool because it has like a sci-fi like element to it. And it's kind of like sci-fi horror, but it's still in the vein of like comics. And I think the comic code was still going on right now. So, um, this was 1995. So this would have been after Marvel left. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, I take it back then. Because. 1994. Sorry. To me, it's, it's. There's like horror comics that like really do horror and that's mm-hmm. it. And this one's like kind of doing horror, but still trying to be fun and comic booky. And it kind of gets lost in the sauce. I think. So the story is not necessarily all there. And the, well, the story is there. It's pretty simple, but the drawings are not really there. The development isn't really there. It just mm-hmm. is kind of cool to look at if you're into like sci-fi. I think fantasy stuff. It's, it's a, it's like a pulp novel. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think that's how I would describe this particular book is it's like reading a sci-fi pulp novel, but it's yes. like not like the main story of the pulp novel. This is like a prequel that the author wrote because the main story was so popular. Mm-hmm. It's giving, you know? let's make money, <laughs> write a story about them. They just got married. <laughs> right. And it's because like, I think it's, um I'm not totally familiar with like the X-Men timeline, but after reading this, it's fucked. Yes. No, it's uh, Miranda. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about it. It's I don't even know if I can explain it well enough because I'm just like, what in the hell was going on? Like I don't keep going. I interrupted you. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, you are fine. You are fine. You had a point to make. But like it's from reading this book, I think like the story of cable had already been told. Like the story of cable had already been told. The story of like the big bad virus had already been told. The story of strife had already been told. Like these things had already happened mm-hmm. in the timeline. This was a thing that came out that kind that feels like it was meant to jump on like 
the relative popularity of those characters and those storylines by saying, but there's more to the story you didn't know. Come see Cable's secret childhood and what made Strife a monster and the death of Apocalypse. Like it's just, it's very much, it's very pulpy. It's very much giving like kind of a novella feel. You know, the writing is pretentious as fuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like it's, it is very much like it's, you know, it's like buying like a $2 like pulp novel that is not quite as good as other things written by that author. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, I haven't read any of the other stuff this author has written, to be honest. Uh, But yeah, it is kind of one of those like, oh, this is like they're popular characters. They Mm -hmm. have an important story event. Let's make like, I think I just prefer I would. Okay. (laughs) I think it's a lot of things going into it. So let's talk about plot real quick, uh, briefly. Mm-hmm. So the plot of this is um, Scott and Jean get married, and they're about they're on their honeymoon, and then they get like transported into a dystopian future. Nobody knows how. Like it just happens. That's where their minds get transported, not their bodies. Yes, they're play. I would like to point out they're like playing on a beach, and then they just both go down hard into the ocean, and I think they might be dead. X-Men have a deep history of like ending and restarting and ending and people leaving and coming back. It's like a toxic job. People can't seem to leave. Um, oh no. So they, that's where we start and that's where like that first issue starts. And then they find, they, it's so confused. Like the characters are confused and the reader is confused. So you're just like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's happening? I'm like, how do you not know? we're here (laughs) with you so i'm confused for half of this so because they're in their future they they run into like their daughter rachel and their son well not their son so rachel is gene and scott's son and then daughter daughter excuse me and um what's that boy's name uh nathan summers yeah nathan son now miranda we gotta go on a trip before we stop all right give me there's just not a whole lot to talk about in this Shit. comic, but I'm going to give you some history, generals history. So important players mm-hmm. to this story is Scott Summers, the fuck bro. Jean Grey. This is the Jean Grey, like, after Dark Phoenix. So she gets brought back. Um, Nathan Summers, it's Scott's son that he had with Madeline Pryor. And Madeline Pryor mm-hmm. was a clone of Jean Grey that was made by Mr. Sinister. Yes. And she gets brought in after the Dark Phoenix saga so after gene dies quote unquote dies and then hold on pause i need you to pause all right (laughs) so i need i need to understand if i'm getting it yes gene and scott had a little something something dark phoenix happens gene dies right scott super sad boy for a while all right and then he like pulls a pearl from steven universe where he just finds someone who looks eerily like gene gray to hook up with yes Okay. All right. And then, and then, meanwhile, Madeline Pryor is Smurfette. She was created by Gargamel to for an evil plot to destroy the Smurf village. Yes. (laughs) He places her because Mr. Sinister, (laughs) he like fucks with their lives. He's like the Q, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he is. Okay. Well, from what I saw, yeah, he's like the Q. Like his whole thing is that he wants the X Men Q. (laughs) He wants to end the apocalypse in the way that he like his nutty idea is that he's like okay i know i'm gonna do it i need a child (laughs) need a baby okay 
that has telekinetic abilities and because Madeline Pryor is a clone of Jean she has all the same abilities right so he he places her into like the X-Men situation and like Scott's life and Scott's like ooh, she looks like Jean <laughs> and falls in love with her because he he doesn't understand I don't <laughs> you fall in love with someone's twin like after they die like I it seems problematic and well you know I, if there's one th- word that I would use to describe Scott Summers, it wouldn't be unproblematic. Right. Problematic. What did I, th- I was like, thinking I was like <laughs> the problematic corner or like problematic. Um, oh, I had a thing and I was like, no, welcome to like the problematic corner where like <laughs> this is what happened and it doesn't really hold up, but that's the reality we have. <laughs> okay. This is what happened. Okay. And right. so he. <laughs> so Scott sleeps with Smurfette. To give Gargamel a baby. They, I don't know if they got married, but they do end up together. Like they're a family. So they Perfect. have the baby and that is Nathan Summer. Okay. Okay. Now, Jean gets brought back. Not okay. through Chris Claremont. Because this is all, clear, like, this is like the era of Claremont. Okay. Chris, right. And. Yes. Okay. Jean gets brought back. He's okay. like unhappy about it. He's unhappy that she gets brought back? Yeah. Like he wanted her dead. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Because he wrote, okay, so outside of the characters, we'll come back to the characters. Now we're plucked out. We're going back to like. Okay, okay. We're out of universe. We're out of universe. We're talking about like the actual creators. So let me look at my notes. Claremont basically like, so they off Gene and he doesn't want Gene back because it like frees up the male characters to like move on. So they can like, like now Scott can have a family with Madeline. And Wolverine can go and have his life with his wife. I forgot her name. Wait, wait, wait. When does Wolverine tie into this? Wolverine is like an afterthought. I'm going to tell y'all right now. <laughs> like I was like, oh, I'm going to get into this like triangle and it's going to be so fun. It's going to be like event after event. Like I thought it was more of a volley, like a better written love triangle, <laughs> like on webtoons. You know? <laughs> okay. All it's right. It's not like that at all. So Scott and Jean are like the first mutants under the MLM <laughs> okay X-Men. under got X, it got right? it so professor like X. professor X right he starts a school to brainwash children yes and then he's Scott got like his first, yes his first class is like Scott it's Storm it's Jean Grey right like those are like his first gen kids yes and so Scott likes Jean like it's pretty sweet he likes Jean but he never really like it's like I wouldn't say he's unrequited. He just never talks about it. Like he never is like, oh my God. Oh, wait, wait. Is he like the weirdo that's like giving her creepy eyes the entire time? Like she's trying to study? Yes, but it's love, Miranda. <laughs> it's not love. It's creepy. No. Like if you have a crush, just talk to the person. It's love. <laughs> In the 70s. <laughs> it's not cute. Nobody no. wants to like go to their 20 year high school reunion and like talk to the guys like, I had such a big crush on you. Like, I had your poster of you made in my room. Like, no! Honestly, yeah. But that's how they knew how to talk about their emotions. And that's the characters, unfortunately, have inherited. Okay. So so you're saying they were not an item. They were not high school sweethearts. Not really. All they right. were, like, cute. But they weren't together. Because he never really said anything to her. So, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay, okay, okay. So Scott falls in love with Jean while they're working together under Professor X. He never really tells her. She gets taken over by the Phoenix Force 
it the phoenix force like complete suicide and wait like, wait hold on yeah no it was like i thought they time. were together no they were he like liked her but he never really said anything and then the dark saga the, the dark phoenix fuck? saga happens but wait, wait, but we read like that whole teen titans thing like i thought they were actually like an item from what I saw, it wasn't really like they were together. They like liked each other and like everyone kind of knew, like the readers knew, like it was like a flirty thing. Maybe she knew kind of too, but it was never like, hey, I like you. It was just more like, oh, hey. And why is everybody babying this man? Because I don't know. I don't know. I, they, I think like, like. That's not cute. That is not cute. Women are not just things for men to attain. Like. And the fact that so much of, like, Jean's, like, after her death gets attributed to, like, Scott's loss, like, it's it would it still wouldn't be great if they were together, but it would be more understandable. But shit, like, that man talked to her parents like he had an equal share in their grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Let me read to you what is on the Marvel Unlimited website. Okay. Marvel.com. Because mm-hmm. let me y'all, let me tell y'all that I started this research campaign a little couple days ago right and i was struggling to get the app to work on like my computer and so i was like fuck but then i found cyclops like they have a biography on cyclops on the marvel.com thing uh-huh. so his entry is so long and i was like oh this is awesome like this is such a good resource and i started finding like looking for everyone else's they're not all this long there's just so much on this guy so this says as cyclops scott became deputy leader of x-men while he was a skilled tactician. His social skills were lacking. Scott had fallen in love with his teammate, Jean Grey, but his reserved demeanor prevented him from expressing his feelings for her over the years. Oh, no. Feelings for her four years. When Xavier's other original recruits left to left the fold following an encounter with the sentient island being Krakoa, Cyclops yes. stayed on as deputy leader of the new... Shortly thereafter, the Phoenix Force takes over Jean and then completes suicide. And then Scott believed that the love of his life had died and he leaves the X-Men. During his time away from the team, Scott met fishing boat Captain Lee Forrester, who helped him work through his grief. Scott eventually returned to the X-Men, whereupon he met Madeline Pryor, a woman who bore an uncanny resemblance to Jean, a.k.a. the clone. Unaware that Madeline was a clone of Jean, created by Sinister, Scott fell in love with Madeline and they were soon married. They were married. Madeline fell pregnant and bore a son, um... Named Nathan Christopher. Yes. Then the real Gene emerged from suspended animation. Scott abandoned his wife and son and rejoined the other original X-Men in establishing the new team X-Factor. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. And this is from Marvel.com. <laughs> Everyone, so you want to look it up. Scott has a massive crush. Yes. And then his crush, unfortunately, dies tragically. Mm-hmm. And then he's sad, which is understandable. A lot of people experience grief, you yes. know. Um. Yep. And then he finds someone, he meets Smurfette, and they fall in love, and they have a baby. And from Smurfette's perspective, like, she's just living her best life. Yes, because I don't think she knows about uh, Q, (laughs) about Sinister's plans. Okay. So, like, Madeline, she's, like, she's got a wonderful husband. She's got a a brand new baby. Like, she's just happy as a clam. And then a a woman shows up who looks like her and then her husband is just like uh bye yeah what is wrong with him it's fucked up right yeah so, he abandoned he like he didn't have a relationship with jean she was mm-hmm. she was a friend she was a teammate she was a co-worker yeah 
you know, but it's like, what is wrong with this man? Why is he a hero? Why do people think he's a hero? Um, because he laser eyes. He does not have laser eyes. He does not have laser eyes. Do you you know what his eyes admit? No. It's not heat. Is it x-rays? They're punches. Oh, no. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) They are. They are. That is his power. His optic blasts are force. They're not heat or light. They are force. They are just drawn red because that is, at the time, due to, like, limitations of, like, you know, visual language, that was how they showed that he was doing something when he was staring at people. But in reality, like, there aren't lasers. Like, he just takes off his glasses and squints, and then someone's like, boof, oh, my nose. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I did not know that. It's hilarious. (laughs) Yes. And he doesn't even generate it himself because his actual mutation is his eyes are portals to another universe that is just, like, kinetic energy. That's kind of metal. I'm not going to lie. I don't, that doesn't make any sense, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is that is what that's his power. That is both of his brother's powers. They just manifest them in different ways. Thank so, you. <laughs> so he just abandons his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Back to the creative side. Okay. Remember Chris? Chris Claremont, yes. Yes. He didn't want to bring back Gene, right? Right. Because he wanted the two... Guys, okay, because like Wolverine, we'll talk about Wolverine. Okay, because I'm like, I'm so confused, like when he comes into this. <laughs> but uh, Chris didn't want her to come back, bring him up, right? I've said that, sorry, a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. They bring Gene back without Chris knowing. So, like, with, I, I guess they're like, look, Chris, a bagel. Yeah, because they were, <laughs> he was on vacation for a moment. It was some <laughs> shit. And she was back. Um, so she, let me see if I can pull up. <laughs> can you imagine that you're like the lead director of something? You're like, no, I don't want her back. <laughs> They're like, we're going to bring her back. You're like, no, you're not. And then they do. Quick, print the pages. It has to happen. It has to happen. <laughs> he can't stop him. It's already impressed. It's crazy. So, okay. She gets brought back. Whatever. Um, no, I can't find what I was trying to It's fine. Wolverine's role in all this is honestly like really haphazard in the beginning. He gets brought on to he exists initially as like a like an appearance in Hulk, um, and then he's Canadian. Yes, he's (laughs) somebody who's like he's the angry little Canadian. We love. Yeah, somebody's (laughs) like uh, we just want a small, very like stocky guy who has like anger issues. It was like oh. I want a, a hero to be like a Wolverine. So create that. Someone creates it. I forgot his name. I think it was. I want to point out that I would not have known that a Wolverine was an actual animal if the hero didn't exist. That is hilarious. I think I would have because I watched a lot of animals, but also <laughs> it's easy to say what I would have known post <laughs> post right. living everything. Uh, Wolverine. There it is. Sorry. I have like six tabs open. You're it's fine. not six. It's more than six. I am embarrassed to say how many. <laughs> you are absolutely fine. I've been on the other side of this. <laughs> so he appears in the last panel of the Incredible Hulk number 180 uh-huh. before having a larger role in 181. And he was created by Marvel editor-in-chief Chief Roy Thomas and writer Len Wein. Um, and the art director at the time was John Romita C. Romita designed the character's costume, but the character was first drawn for publication by Herb Triumph. Trump? Trumps? I don't know. And then he 
joined, revamped as a superhero at the X-Men were eventually Chris, Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum and artist slash writer John Bryum really like worked on the character and made him who he is. Okay. Um, so he started off as like a throwaway character in a Hulk book. And then like the X, the X-Men creative team was like, can we use that guy? Mm-hmm, basically. Okay. So he's honestly like not supposed to be a big deal. They just kind of made him, even when Claremont was like writing for, with him, he wasn't like, they didn't really care about him. They liked nightcrawler more and they would develop that character more but well, obviously nightcrawler is delightful yeah audiences <laughs> enjoyed wolverine right so they're like oh well i guess there's something here <laughs> and they kept like developing him and then creating like his origin and his characteristics but chris really just wrote like okay between wolverine and gene mm-hmm. it was always really one-sided like wolverine would hit on gene and Jean's like, whatever. Like, wasn't she like 20? She was, yeah, she's younger. I think like she's supposed that, right? to be like like a young adult, I thought. Uh-huh. And he's like older. Yeah, everybody. he's like 200. <laughs> right. So he would hit on her. Ew. And it was like offhanded. I want to say like offhanded, but not like I guess I I don't want to be like, oh, it wasn't anything. Cause it was stuff, but like I think one of the first things that he does is that she's trying to rip her skirt because it's too long and she can't run in it. So he just like rips it really short. Yeah. And she's like, what the hell? And he's like, I'm just helping you out, Red. And it's just like, that's kind of been the... Okay. They're like, oh, you're a baddie. Like, what's up? Don't forget about me. I'm in the book too. What's up? Like, that's kind of the vibe that I got from Wolverine's history with Jean. And... Got it. Got it. That's just kind of the way it was. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like offhanded. Like, they wrote it. Right. He's like, everyone has that one teammate that's the sexual harasser. Yeah. And it's the short king Wolverine. (laughs) the 40 year old is hanging out with a bunch of 15 year olds yes so that's the beginning of the triangle and it kind of just stays there it doesn't really develop wolverine does almost get dropped at a certain point but john i think it's bird no john it's byron it's b-y-r-n-e byron Byron? i think it's byron john byron um fights to keep him as a character because he's canadian (laughs) he's like i don't want come on man it's like the only guy we have keep him on i will say that like marvel has many more canadians than dc i can think i I can think of at least like three canadian marvel characters i cannot think of a single like canadian dc character i can't think of any except wolverine (laughs) oh um uh wade wilson deadpool He's Canadian. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. (laughs) Yeah. So he gets, he, that's the only reason he gets saved is because one of the creators is Canadian. He's like, come on, man. Like, come on. Don't take this from me. (laughs) No, come on. Y'all have a million Americans. Let us have a Canadian. And this is all happening like in the 70s. So 73 to 75. Okay. Um, All right. And he, yeah, he gets developed better. And then after the, the okay so we have like the interaction with like he cuts her skirt there's another thing in the uncanny x-men uh number 101 where he i think he's like in front of her house or like her window or whatever because they live in the main i'm sorry what he the can i pull it up maybe i can share my screen so you can it's like the a house and the um, he's by in like a window yeah he's like under a tree and oh is that a picture oh oh what did he just like cut out a picture of Scott? Yes. <laughs> it's 
creepy. That's a stalker thing. Yes. <laughs> so this is like what we see as an audience when that's how I was like, oh, it's like a love triangle, but it really wasn't a love triangle no! for a long time. It was that's like fucking creepy. Nobody, I think I wrote in my notes. He's like, the villain. We see, yeah, we see like this woman who is like the apple of two men's eye, but she doesn't have a whole lot of agency within it. Yeah. And she she's a thing she, that exists in order to give them emotional development. Right. And so she gets with Scott, like she gets married to Scott and that's like he, Scott's the main piece and Wolverine was like the side piece is the way mm-hmm. we saw it, but then like after, you know, doing some research I was like, "Oh, no, that's not what was happening." Like she was with Scott and Wolverine liked her. She wasn't even with Scott at this point cuz Scott didn't ask her out. Scott just thought she was hot. Yes, I think Okay. He. What happens is after Dark Phoenix, they like kind of go a little more gung ho with his feelings towards her. Right. Um. Um. And the article I'm reading from right now is cbr.com. Um. Chris Claremont's shocking choice in a classic X Men love triangle by G. Kendall. And it was pub- published May first, 2022. Let me just say this is the best article I found because everything else is like. <laughs> Here's all the times they kiss. Oh, gross. Great. I need context. I don't want just that they kiss. I know that they kiss. Okay. So after the Dark Phoenix uh, timeline arc, Wolverine's like more into her. Or at least we know that she's more into her. But because she died, you know, it's just like, oh, I really did have like big feelings. She wasn't just like a piece of ass. (laughs) Like I liked her. Um, But he is supposed to marry Mariko. Okay. And that's what was supposed to happen, but they bring back Gene, and what ends up happening is like, well, they brought back Gene, and he has a family. Uh, Scott has a family, so we're just gonna, he has to abandon his family to be with the X-Men and Gene again. Why? And that's what happened. Why? Because that's what they said. She's a person! Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's... So, the bringing back of Gene happens not... in 1986. Okay. Um, and we see the release of X-Factor, um, but this was done without Claremont's knowledge, Right. And he resents the decision and to this day, this day feels that X-Factor's number one dismisses Cyclops as a character as he leaves his wife and newborn son behind in Alaska to reunite with Jean. But to be fair to Bob Layton, the writer of that story, Cyclops initially is not romantically pursuing Jean. And they explore his feelings of guilt and abandonment, you know? I No, no, I'm not <laughs> going to be fair to Bob Layton. <laughs> Writing. I'm not going to be fair because here's the thing at the end of the day, like they could have brought Jean back as a character in her own right. You know, she did yeah. not have to exist to cause man pain. Like, no, it, yeah, they could have told a whole story where they brought her back and it could have been her like, you know, getting over like the might have beens and pulling it, putting together back her life back together after years of being dead and figuring out what Jean Grey wants. Mm-hmm. They could have told that story, but no. Instead, they were like, mm-hmm. "We're going to tell an epic love story that wasn't ever actually a love story originally. It was like a will they won't they story. It was a story to appeal to teenagers. Yeah, and it, and then like, we're going to turn it into something more than it was. It gets like blended in because then the movies come mm-hmm. out right, and the movies like. Yeah. I think, like, to me, that must be where I got it, because that's what I knew was the movies. And, like, in the movies, it was very clear that Wolverine liked Jean, and Scott didn't like Wolverine because he liked Jean. But it was more, in the movies, it was more developed, I think, or had a different purpose versus, like, the comic books. So, like, going mm-hmm. to the history, I'm like, okay, so this was just, like, we're making money. Mm-hmm. 
And now we've rewritten history in a way that makes like it's a bigger thing than what it was. It's not as romantic as it was made to be seen. And you know, I, I want to rewatch the 2000 X-Men movie and I don't know, maybe I'll watch it and like we'll talk about it again. But no, it's more, like, I'm, I think in my notes, I was like, yeah, no, she should have been single. She shouldn't have been with any of them. Yeah, no, it's awful. It's all awful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that explains where Nathan comes from. Um, oh, yeah. It also gives me a lot more rage <laughs> about like this book in particular because like she's so nice again to him. even yeah <laughs> she is so nice to him in this book <laughs> she is so they are all so nice to this man and then also like where is Madeline and all that because she didn't get to raise her son either we are like it this no. book centers it as though like what happens to Nathan is purely Scott's pain. When it's like clearly it 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 really affected well, Nathan growing up. Clearly, like yeah. he has a mom, you know. Like I'm not saying Jean Grey can't be the world's best stepmother. I believe I believe she has that power in her. She seems fine as a person generally. Yeah. But the fact that like this book centers it as though this is their chance to raise like their long lost child. When it's like no, this is Scott raising like his son, and then Jean Grey being like like raising her stepson but where the fuck is madeline and all that i know yeah it's messed up i had a lot of um i guess like, like it, sympathy for hers i was like what happened they just took her kid yeah they just took because that's so what ends up happening and this goes comes back to i know it's like tangent after tangent but um, no we are establishing like context for this book that is not tangent after tangent so here i did like do some mm-hmm. deep diving into madeline they call her maddie because I was okay. like, well, what happened to this lady? Because she was like a person. Like, I know she's a clone, but she. No, she's had, still a, she's person. a person. She is not Jean Grey. She is um, like, that's like saying that twins aren't people. Right. You know, she's, you know, I, I understand that like this book too also kind of set, makes a point of saying that Strife as a clone of Nathan is lesser than Nathan. But I think that's bullshit. Like he's a person. Yes. He has agency. And yeah. he is just as, des- he is just as deserving of love as anyone else. Um, so when Madeline gets introduced uh, into the X-Men household family cult, she <laughs> is, Fair. um, she, she's telekinetic, right? So, but right. it blocks X, X, Professor X. He can't read her mind. <laughs> so they're like, oh, this is weird, but okay. Oh, Whatever. oh no, the weird, creepy man can't like read someone's mind. Oh, yeah. he can't violate people's boundaries. Oh, mm-hmm. so that's just a fun note. Okay, so Scott returned to the X Men after learning that Magneto joined while he was on his mission. Madeline was left at the mansion, like banded. <laughs> Madeline felt that she and Scott were drifting apart after getting calls from other X Men about her well being, but not her husband. While Scott was battling Fernris at the trial of Magneto, Madeline gave birth to her son in the kitchen of the mansion. Pause. Okay. Why is there not a hospital? Well, Can you I, imagine? I will say that, like, for a very long time, uh, one of the things that X-Men makes a point of saying is that the reason they have a mansion is because they are not accepted, like, elsewhere. That's fair, but she is not, like, a mutant, like, visibly a mutant. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I, I don't. I, I mean, know. she might have. She might have been able to. I don't know. The mutants are, they get very insular at a certain point. Like right now they have an island. 
Like they literally have an island. Yes. <laughs> and so like they get very insular. And so that yeah. might be one of those periods of time when like they did not uh, seek help from humanity in any way, shape or form. You know, I don't know. It, but so they live in Alaska and then they when when Scott rejoins the X-Men, they relocate to the to the frat house. Uh, I don't know if they lived in Alaska first. I think they lived in the frat house first. Okay, got it, got it. So they relocate. Yeah. So they live in the frat house, yes. and then he rejoins the X Men team. So it's not full on abandonment to pursue Gene. It's him basically joining like the the mutant militia. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he gets deployed, and so she's alone, right? And then when she's giving birth, like other ex people show concern for her because again, she's a person and they built a relationship with her, Mm -hmm. but Scott doesn't call her. No. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Um, And uh, fact checking myself, they met Mm -hmm. in Alaska. Um, Of course they did. Yeah. Because. (laughs) Of course they did. That's the only place that a man like Scott Summers can meet a woman. Yeah. So (laughs) he does all that is kind of not great. No, he he is like a he's like absentee. Sounds like you know? he is. It, it sounds like he is trying to leave her without leaving her, and so he's finding reasons not to be around her. Mm-hmm. So he is like abandoning her, but it isn't like it isn't quite the same as like running off to be with Jane. So much as it's like he's finding excuses not to come home. Right. So she has the baby in the mansion. She names him Nathan Christopher Charles Summer. What a oh, name! God, that's so many names. That was so hard to say, Nathan. <laughs> Um, from an implanted suggestion by uh, Mr. Sinister in Madeline. Christopher from Scott's father and Charles from his father. Um, So Mr. Sinister was like, yeah, like Gargamel is basically like, yes, and we shall have a baby and he will have the most powerful name of all, Nathan. Mm -hmm. So Scott, there's a a plot point uh, where Scott has to fight Storm, um, I think for X-Men leadership. And Madeline, for the first time, uses her powers and influences that uh, fight, and he loses. Um, After he loses, Maddie convinces Scott to move back with her to a cabin in Alaska and live out their lives there. Uh, A subconscious suggestion planned by Sinister. Right, so he can take the baby. Yeah, it's easier for him to steal the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So during their time away, the marriage becomes strained. Madeline uh, resents the fact that Scott was rarely home and that he continued to miss Jean. Maddie was also upset at the fact that Scott only married her because of a resemblance to Jean. Fair. And that he only left her to left her and the baby because he lost his bid in the run to with um, to be. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me read that. Oh, so the only reason, like, he he's he with goes, them is because he isn't a he leader loses. of the X-Men. Yeah, so he loses that fight. She's upset. Like, yeah. the only reason you're with She has a right to be upset. You're not the leader or whatever. You didn't pick us. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott starts to become distant. He even leaves Maddie in the middle of the night. When the real Jean Grey was revealed alive, Scott abandoned Maddie and the baby Christopher to be with Jean and help found uh, X-Men in, the new, in New York. Despite her threats of him not being welcome back, Maddie was heartbroken that Scott had left their family. Yeah, fuck that guy. So Maddie was hired to fly a cargo plane to San Francisco for a large sum of money and at last minute decided to take Christopher with her. Sinister reacted quickly to Gene's She's supposed to do, have him be babysat by Moose? Yeah. Uh, He reacts quickly to Gene's return to aim to eliminate Maddie before the truth of her creation was revealed and sent his marauders to kill her and kidnap her son. Maddie used her latent psychic 
powers to defend herself, but lost baby Christopher to her enemies. She was shot multiple times and left her dead, then taken to a hospital in San Francisco as Jane Doe. Uh, they thought she was a hopeless ca- uh, case, but she doesn't die. She lived. Okay. Um, and she, there's no, there's no um, record of Maddie or Lee in existence as Sinister had erased. And that's how he gets, that's how Sinister. Okay. So um, they have a baby. They move to Alaska. Scott says fuck this and goes to pursue his career and also his high school sweetheart. Not sweetheart, his crush. Yes. His some might say unhealthy obsession. Um <laughs> meanwhile, Maddie is as a woman in the 80s is trying to have it all. You know, she's a single mom who works two jobs, who loves her kid and never stops, with gentle hands and the heart of a fighter, right? Okay, so she gets a job that will help to support them. She takes the kid with her because she can't find like adequate childcare because they live in America. And then the okay. plane goes down because it gets attacked by space pirates, mm-hmm. like Porco Rosso sky pirates. Yes. Okay. All right. And then she ends up in like a coma in a hospital and the baby is now with Gargamel. Yes. And then that's where I stopped looking into Maddie. But I felt bad. I was like, what the hell? She has a whole baby with this man. And like, I don't know anything about her. This is the first time I knew about her. And let me tell y'all, she is goth Jean and I'm here for it. She's like vampire Jean and I'm like it. (laughs) She looks cool as shit. Is it impractical? Yes. You can't run in that suit. But she does look nice. (laughs) None Dude, so many of like the female X-Men's costumes are impractical for physical exertion. Like everything anything that out. like Emma Snow wears. Everything <laughs> anything. would fall up. Run up one stair. Okay. <laughs> everything falls out, dude. It's crazy. Okay. All right. Okay. So Mr. Sinister has the baby. At some point, Apocalypse infects the baby with a technovirus, which is like converting his organic parts into synthetic parts. Yeah. And is slowly overtaking him. And then when does Scott get the baby back? And also why doesn't why isn't Scott more concerned about like, hey, where's this kid's mom? Because right, he sucks. Um <laughs> Scott doesn't get the baby back. But, but but they said they said in this comic that he made the choice to send him into the future to hopefully find a cure for the technovirus. Mm, great question. Let me see in my notes if I have it. Okay. Because the way I kind of took it was just like, okay, so that happens with the baby. And then mm-hmm. there's like some obscure, probably not obscure, but some episode of Uncutting X-Men where he has to make the choice of sending him future. And then we come Again, in. Again, he in has future. to make the choice. This isn't, this mm-hmm. isn't him and Maddie as co-parents making this choice. Mm-hmm. Because what Maddie wants is inconsequential. Yeah. So let me see what I have written. Do, 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 do. Okay. Later... The mutant war lord named Apocalypse infected the baby Nathan with a techno-organic virus. To save his son's life, Scott had to allow a member of the clan Ascani to transport Nathan two millennia into the future where it had been foreseen that he would deliver the world from Apocalypse's clutches. X-Factor disbanded soon after, and its members returned to the ranks of X. Uh, Scott and his longtime love, Gene... (laughs) were right. married and whilst on their honeymoon they inhabited new bodies and raised nathan for 12 years okay so i probably an x factor is when it happens i just the sheer audacity of this man <laughs> yeah to do that the sheer audacity and then like they raise him and they raise him in secrecy rather than saying like no like like we are your parents or not mm-hmm. even just though we are your parents it's like i think i was a little bit harsh on Jean. like she can be a bonus mom you know mm-hmm she can absolutely be a bonus mom. I love that for her. I am so glad she's stepping up. But 
the sheer audacity that nobody brings up Maddie, that nobody at no point did they ever say like, no, 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 your birth parents, they loved you so much and they just wanted the best for you mm-hmm. or at any point. They just let him go on believing that he was like, what, just like okay, a dumpster dude. baby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, that's awful. Justice for Madeline Pryor. True. She has a lot more like they've continued more. She has like her own stuff going on, too. It's just I, I didn't look into it because it didn't affect this plot point. Um, but yeah, if you're interested, just like look it up. Uh, a lot of this is from the Marvel database, database so marvel.fandom.com. I just went into like a rabbit hole of thing. Okay. Um, as a you know, heads up, I'm trying to see if it says like what issue they made the decision to, well, he made the decision to send him to the future. Um, like it's just, I don't know, it's just all very sad. It is, it, it is sad. So I'm just like, and- reading i was just like oh wow so like all of this just kind of happened not just kind of happens like decisions were made and it was written and it again it's repackaged as this like really nice love story and it's like oh no like he was kind of shitty and in my opinion like gene just ended up with him mm-hmm. and she shouldn't have to end up with him no. <laughs> in um the future like now uh claremont has come out and said Okay, so also to add more context to it, they're, they kind of go back and rewrite the classics Claremont does in okay. like 86, I think. Hold on, it's not 86, let me look at this. Um, yeah, also launching in 1986 would be Classic X-Men, a reprint series devoted to Claremont's earliest X-Men stories that also included new material from the writer. The first issue of the classic X-Men has a curious distinction. It's actually the first comic to indicate that Jean shares any romantic feelings for Wolverine. So it was an afterthought. Like they didn't. So they they, they, they turned like, it oh. into a love triangle. Yeah, but initially that sounds like it gets repackaged because initially it wasn't a love triangle. It was just like people like Jean because she's a hottie. Right. She marries one of the guys that likes her, dies. Oh no, she dies and marries somebody, and then she is like a stepmom to to their kids after they get pulled out of their reality and sent to like dystopian future where she also has to like come to grips that her daughter. Like, she wasn't there to raise her daughter, Rachel. Yes, yeah, she does not get to raise Rachel. Mm-hmm. She did, uh, Which she is does also get, sad. Yeah. Like, all of it's sad. Strife is sad. Like, all of it. The fact that, like, like it's really shitty. Um, so within this story, we learn that Strife is a clone of Nathan Summers, who would grow up to become Cable, right? And Strife is created by Rachel to to be like a burn baby, basically, yeah. to, to be a decoy, to be a sacrifice so that like they could so that Nathan could grow up to become Cable. Mm-hmm. And like that is so shitty because, again, he, Strife is a person is just as deserving of love and respect as anyone else. Right. Madeline, Madeline, just as deserving of love and respect as anybody else. Nathan, just as deserving of love and respect as anybody else. Like. All of this is just so fucked up. Yeah. And we're trying to paint it like like, like Scott and Jean are like good parents for how this all folds out. Mm-hmm. No. Like, mm. <laughs> but, mm. So John Byron, what was his name? I'm sorry. We, we decided Byron. Byron, he, he disapproves of it. So in a forum, he said, it makes sense that Wolverine would be smitten and she's not. Jean is, after all, a phenomenally hot babe. Problem was, Wolverine became the avatar of the fanboys, and it became necessary that the loser, Cyclops, get punted aside in favor of the way cool 
Wolverine, and then the whole point of the triangle gets lost. So I am <laughs> okay. All right. So basically, seeing, it's fan service. Yeah, the it, it's like, fan service. Anger clouds <laughs> bursting through your your brain right now. <laughs> like yes, I am angry. Mm-hmm. Like okay. So Wolverine is a throwaway character, but then people like him. And that's fine. That happens a lot. That's whatever. Right. But for whatever reason, he becomes like um, he becomes the character that 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 like the fans see themselves in. Right. Mm-hmm. Specifically the male fans. Yes. Uh, some might say the incel fans. Pining for this woman. Yes. <laughs> OK. So all the incels see themselves in Wolverine, the 200 year old Canadian with bone claws. Right. Although I will say there has been um, like a lot of querying of Wolverine. So mm-hmm. when people ask, so like, yeah, incels, but like throughout the time of his character, a lot of yeah. queer folks see themselves within Wolverine. The way he's drawn, the way he like struggles with like certain like, I guess, scenarios and like development. I didn't look mm-hmm. too into it, but I was like interested in that part of it. So in okay. the in the 80s yeah it's probably if because he like wolverine's like the average dude like he's just a guy who can't control his emotions he's angry he um like tries his best but he doesn't really know what's going on scott is like he is like the square like he's like right two shoes he's an a plus student he can never do wrong he's like the superman of <laughs> okay of okay X-Men. so it, it's like how um like how comic bros see themselves in batman yeah yeah, okay. now the like comic bros see themselves in like bad, Batman but... and Frank Castle. Yeah, so there's like you know like in the in the pie of fans that see themselves, there's like a percentage that's like ugh, losers, and then, right? <laughs> uh, the rest is like just regular people who appreciate it, and then the writers do stuff to try to to fan service. So yeah, yeah, no, 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 like fan service does occur, but because such a large margin of like the very invested comic book fans saw themselves in Wolverine mm-hmm. they decided to cater to them by making it instead of like him just having a crush on like on this woman mm-hmm. instead they make it like a mutual crush yes so they they I, it was it like I guess they give her agency in it like they like level the playing field like no she likes him too like it's not all just him one-sided like she's kind of into him too but she but like Cyclops is the is is the better pairing <laughs> Like Cyclops makes he's a good boy, right? And Wolverine's a bad boy. I I don't know if it's giving her agency. I think I, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know like, if it is giving her agency, but she's like in he's not staring out her window without her knowing, right? Okay, she, I mean that is better. That is slightly better. She establishes there's a a panel where they establish like she's talking to Professor X and she establishes she's like no, like I, I'm kind of into him. I guess it makes it less creepy. I don't know. Like I, I can't I can't give them too many like ropes to save no, themselves. No, but because no matter what, A, it's like revisionist history. Uh-huh. And B, all it does is lessen Jean's character because like I am of the opinion she should stay single because both these men suck. Yeah. But same. You know, if she's choosing one over the other, then like that's a different thing than being like, oh, I just can't decide between the two men fighting over me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, because like no matter what, that makes her that makes her weak willed and that makes her the bad guy, you know, like, like rather than have making having her make a decision one way or the other and instead like places her as like an object between them for them to win. Mm-hmm. And it's. 
so it's really all, insulting yeah to, it's really insulting because it's not like that's how she was or that's how she was meant to be written like no she was just a normal ass person and then now all of a sudden she yeah. can't make decisions between the paramour that abandoned his family and the guy that has mantrums on the subway yeah so she's it's sad <laughs> it's like okay like when you don't think about it it's like whatever but when you really start looking into it like oh it's kind of fucked up <laughs> yeah. i don't know about that um so right that's where we're at and then claremont recently has come out and said because he wrote x-men the end which is where i like that's the one i read where okay. i was like oh like oh wolverine and her are together like that's cool because in the end it's like a alternate future right where cyclops and and Jean's marriage ends okay and he okay does, Claremont, does cyclops ever realize like he's the problem i don't remember if he realizes that he's i think they like everyone kind of does but it's also <laughs> not really because it's still presented as Jean's fault so claremont presents an intriguing explanation for why in the final issue madeline Pryor reveals that she's part of Jean. She's the part of Jean Grey who once loved Scott wholeheartedly. And without that person of, portion of her soul, Jean and Cyclops' marriage was doomed. Like, it's never like, oh, well, Scott was a piece of shit, so they shouldn't be with <laughs> I'm just sorry. Like- so we're trying to say that that all of a sudden Madeline isn't, in fact, a clone. She's like, like, like a starfish. Like, one of Jean's arms was cut off and grew into Madeline. And that arm just happened to be the one that was down to fuck with Cyclops and Cyclops alone. <laughs> so that was in 2005 2004 to 2005 i believe what was the run let's see yet oh sorry 2004 2006 in 2009 claremont um writes x-men forever and it was uh promoted as a continuation of storylines he intended for the x-men back in the 1990s okay uh, free from the yoke of other writers continuity claremont chose to open a debut x-men forever with yet what another dick. what a Wolverine dick and gene kiss so the, can, you just, the- can you just imagine that of like someone just dismissing everyone else's contributions to a franchise being like, no, I'm the guy. For years. For years. What an asshole. Years of writing. This is not <laughs> it's years of writing. This is 2009. That's not that long ago. Um so he didn't even create the X-Men, I don't think. He took it over. And made it crazy. <laughs> So he has now kind of come out and said, quote, Logan and Jean are, for me, the primal forces of these. One is faith, the other is reality. It takes two of them to bring creation to life. Jean can love Cyclops with all her heart. Logan can love Mariko with all his heart. But in a 125 years, Scott and Mariko will be dead. Jean and Logan will go on forever. Forever is a really big word. So there are two levels of love, I guess. There's mortal love and immortal love. And that's the level in which Logan and... What a crock of shit. Bro, just say you want to write that. Just say you want to write a threesome. Just yeah, like, them, you like know, you it's want fine. them to be together. That's they can okay. beat his ship. That's fine. But just say that like, you know, they are, they are gods in human flesh. They are the... They are the alpha and the omega. They are the beginning and the end. What's the alpha? (laughs) She's the alpha, right? I would hope she's the alpha. (laughs) She has to be. She gives alpha energy. (laughs) She does. Uh, She does. (laughs) So, uh, 
all of that also again shout out to gene kendall for writing this out because this is the only well not the only one but it's the one i found that like actually put the history within it not just like here are like screenshots of them making out like okay because <laughs> ever since yeah. they rewrote it in like 80 when they, re- they did Susie, since they reintroduced everything in like 86 then the writers started like putting them in scenarios where they're like up against each other kind of kissing and like under the influence of some venom so they're very attracted to each other oh, just to ew. be like titillating to the <laughs> to not titillating it's not consensual uh, yes but to the audiences <laughs> to make sales so that's kind of what ends up happening right. with it becomes it. very fan servicey yeah but yeah okay all right um where does rachel come into it who fucking knows i don't know when rachel <laughs> comes into it okay all right all right so rachel was like an after like i literally am just like what the hell because gene so not gene excuse me uh no yeah gene and wolverine have a kid that's kate that's kate? kate yeah there's a there's another child but I don't know anything about her because I was like, I cannot do 60 years of history okay. in an hour. But Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So Bare Bones of um, the Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix comes out in 1994. It is a limited run. It's four issues. In 1996, a sequel comes out. But it is basically Gene and Scott while on their honeymoon face plant into the ocean because their minds have been yoinked out of their bodies and put into synthetic bodies. Uh, that ah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they split into the ocean, yoinked out of their bodies. <laughs> Keep going. I'm so sorry. I spent so much time thinking about that. Thinking like, are they drowning? <laughs> like, are they dying? Yeah, they were like on a beach. <laughs> Go ahead and do me nerd drop. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. So they get placed into bodies, and um, Rachel, who is their daughter, that again they did not raise. Uh, has lived 2,000 years because she what was like she held the power of like the Phoenix Force for 2,000 years, right? But it is gone. She is dying, and she has basically been the only thing holding back like the full power of Apocalypse. Like he's already won, but he hasn't like completed his main goal. And so, in a final bid to defeat Apocalypse once and for all, um, she ends up with her baby brother. She doesn't cure the Technovirus. Um, but she like pauses it and then the whole thing is that she knows that her baby brother is Nathan is fated to destroy apocalypse like fated to defeat apocalypse fated to lead like the rebellion all that so she's trying the goal is to raise this baby but that plan goes awry because um apocalypse finds out about it and so he attacks while Nathan is still an infant she creates a clone apocalypse ends up with that clone raises the clone as his own she meanwhile brings her parents forward and is like it's up to you raise the kid yes um they they then spend uh the next anywhere between 10 to 13 years because like they mentioned puberty so i assume that it's like that's like 13 years yeah raising nathan christopher but doing it in the most ass backwards way possible they are not they were thrust well gene was thrust into parenthood (laughs) Yes. Like Scott does do a little bit of like, oh my God, I abandoned him. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to laugh, but it's just like, bro, I don't really care about what you did. Now you're in a situation where you have this kid. And then like mm-hmm. the techno organic virus is mm-hmm. techno organic. Like it's, it's kind of, they kind of 
treat it like cancer because yeah it is slowly overtaking his body yeah and so he looks different he has like a he has a robot arm yeah and robot like face features yeah if you've seen a picture of Cable, he's got like the metal eye and the robot arm. Like that's basically what this little kid looks like. That's where he's at. Yeah, just little little yeah. weedos. But yeah, so Jean gets kind of thrown into this, and mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, okay, like I'm your wife of a day. <laughs> I will take care of this child you've abandoned in this yeah. future. I have no idea. Also, that's my daughter. Like what? Because mm-hmm. I I'm looking at Rachel. I think Rachel was just like a future like an alternate future daughter like I don't know if they really ever had her I I don't think they raised her I do think they knew her when she was a child because they do reference like they do reference her yeah so they do it crazy (laughs) yeah they do it so crazy also the bodies that they're placed into are empty shells and um do you know why they're empty shells no can you explain that to me i fucking can they are synthetically grown empty bodies to put specifically to put their minds into but they are created by dna salvage from scott and gene's descendants they're fucking kissing cousins alayda no no yes no yes i don't want that to be true it is but it is and I feel bad about it. They put them in there, however many great grandchildren. Uh, <laughs> oh, and you know, I was I better off not knowing? I don't know. <laughs> like fuck. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. So then I they spend like the next like 13 years raising uh Nathan. Um I don't know why they don't just call themselves his parents, why they insist upon like the convention of you're a foundling. I don't even, I don't understand that either. I mean, they don't, they don't explain it. It's just like a plot. It just, it feels cruel, especially it feels very cruel, especially with how deeply like it affects Nathan his entire life. Because like we see his childhood in essence, you know, we see little glimpses of his childhood. We see him when he's like three to five. We see him when he's like eight. We see him when he's like 10. We see him when he's like 13. Mm -hmm. And in all of that, it affects him that he, that he feels abandoned. And it's like, there's no point to it. There is no point to it. If Jean doesn't want to be called mom, that is absolutely fine. She is a bonus parent. She can have whatever title she wants. But like the fact that Scott allows that to stand, like, like if, it's it is cruelty just to be cruel and i don't understand it to not just be like i'm your dad and then your mom died like when you were a baby but she loved you very much they don't explain it and he doesn't call them mom and dad he he calls them like like nicknames basically yes slim Uh, and red which are their names in this universe (laughs) yeah and there is a moment where gene has like the opportunity to be like well this is what's actually happened like you're gonna you're you were i guess it's one of those things where like it's more cruel to lie to him because of the effects it has on him yeah but the way that it's it gets like yada yada is Mm -hmm. like i can't tell you that you're only existing to end apocalypse like that seems to them to the comic book that seems more messed up yeah (laughs) but it's not (laughs) all of it's messed up it is just cemented scott summers is a shit parent yeah like you know is it and gene's the one doing all this emotional work (laughs) Mm -hmm. where is scott once again out fucking around raiding things yeah pretty much he just finds another team he makes Mm -hmm. another x team so he doesn't have to deal with like the responsibility of a family yeah that's what happens (laughs) like a couple times over in the issues yeah 
So, but like they're raising him, but they very firmly place themselves in term in like the position of we're like, we're not your parents, we're your mentors. Yes. And Which it is leaves the child, mm-hmm. child ass child, thinking like, my parents never loved me. Yeah. And I was abandoned. Yeah. Because I'm sick. Like, that's the other thing. Like, he is, mm-hmm. he has like, in essence, a disability. Like, he has he's... a disability. It's not even an essence. It is a disability. Right. Well, I mean, it's coded. It's not like they don't. Yeah. It's coded as a disability. It, he gets treated differently. They have to hide it. He has to pass as normal in order mm-hmm. to exist within society. Like, it's, you know, they, he has to have like accommodations. Um, It -hmm. starts with like Gene helping him to pass and then having to teach him how to do it by himself so that nobody knows. Right. Cause they're passing as humans. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we said that. I think you might've said, but he can't pass as a human visually visibly because he Mm -hmm. has like techno parts. Yeah. So yeah, they have to, and he has telekinesis too. So they have to not well they do have to she teaches him like how to to mask himself because she was doing it he's like well why can't you keep doing it she's like because i'm not always going to be here like you don't learn how to do this and that's where it it presents the opportunity like why do i need to learn how to do this and that's when she's like uh you just have to do as i say yeah and i feel for her because i mean i feel for her because she kind of just got dropped in the situation but she is an adult and she can make choices and make more emotionally correct choices and does it yeah it's and then also they they this the kid um strife is his clone and mm-hmm. he is being trained by apocalypse right like yep to be brutal <laughs> like you yeah. just kill people left and right they ain't shit you're gonna you're destined for greatness he, he's not being trained per se mm-hmm. so apocalypse's end goal is um the way that he has lived for like four thousand years is he takes over other people's bodies. So he just puts yeah. his, his essence, he body snatches people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, he has grown so immense that his body snatching isn't working anymore because yeah. no, no body can handle what he is. The meat suit. Yeah. They die. <laughs> so, <laughs> like it, it doesn't hold up anymore. <laughs> he's a big guy in a tiny shirt. Yeah. He's like flexing and it rips. Yes. Um, and so the... He's not really raising Strife at all because Strife's entire purpose is he's just trying to get that. He's trying to get that boy to the correct age and the correct power level that he can transfer into him and take him over. Right. So that is. And the reason he can do that is because he thinks Strife has the technovirus because the technovirus is supposed is like the gluten (laughs) (laughs) the recipe that's keeping everything together. But they switched the, the kids. So. Well, it's not like the, it's not the gluten, the thing, keeping the thing together. It is, um, he basically like, uh, he infects a baby with the black plague with the expectation that the baby survives the black plague. He'll be like, his immune system will be stronger than Oh, ever. to prove. Okay. For sure. I thought it was like, that's helping him stay in the body. Okay. No, for no, no. Sure. It's just, it's this idea that like, if his body can beat back like the technovirus, that means that he has he's become, strong. he's stronger. Yeah. You know, it's uh, there is a study that says that people who are more resistant to the HIV virus um, are descended from people who survived the plague, like not oh, survives wow. and didn't get it, but like got it and got better. Wow. And That's so it, it's kind of like it, it's like that theory okay. of okay. if if he can do this, then his body became stronger because it defeated it. Right. So he's not really raising strife. How strife is raised doesn't really matter to him. He's more appeasing him. Because he just has to keep this boy 
until he reaches like an age and like a power level where he can body snatch him. Right. So he doesn't particularly care that strife is like killing people left and right. It's just, it's all about like, you know, it's all about what happens to that body. Yes. But he is kind of like teaching him like you're better than everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's appeasement. Yeah. It's all appeasement because he doesn't want strife to leave. It's yeah, but he's, he couldn't actually leave. Like, he's I, a little kid. I don't think he could actually leave. I don't know. They kind of established that, like, Strife can just, like, burn through things. That's so true. I, I do think, like, it wasn't Apocalypse was raising him so much as Apocalypse was fostering a, an affectionate bond so that Strife would feel tied to him. You know? Okay. Like, it was just another way of keeping him there. So this is happening in the background. Meanwhile, Gene and Scott are trying to raise like Nate and teach him how to use his powers and all that. And they are constantly having to move from place to place. And that's really all that happens. Mm -hmm. And then in the last issue, it ends with, um, they have also been, uh, Gene and Scott have also been very deeply involved in like the rebellion. Yeah. And like rebel cells. And so they're going to do one final raid, like the big raid against the thing. Like it's not going to necessarily defeat apocalypse, but it'll like cripple his forces and all that. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of this, um, they discover that the legacy virus is what it's called, right? Uh, no, techno-organic virus. No, not the techno-organic, like oh. the legacy virus, the other one. Yes. Yes. There is a virus that Apocalypse has been developing that would wipe out humanity. Yes. But it's like not perfect yet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a version of it gets released in their timeline by, I believe, an adult strife. Okay. So they see this. They're like, oh, we need to destroy this. This is when kind of all the pieces come together and it forces like this final confrontation with Apocalypse where Nate, who his technovirus has been getting worse again, like he's he's out of remission. Mm-hmm. It is now like consuming his body mm-hmm. where Nate learns through his sister, Rachel, who's been mind linked to him this entire time. Who's been in a coma this entire... They never yes. said that until the last... No, they've just apparently of- been hauling her body from place to place. <laughs> yeah, and then Rachel is like an elderly woman at this yeah. point. They, you know, which... She's 2,000 years old. Yeah, yeah. totally. But <laughs> yeah, like you're just taking... Because like, they're like on the run. They're not... Yes. They don't have a layer. <laughs> no, no, no. They're going... They're jumping from town to town, like always one step ahead of like Javert. <laughs> yeah, and they never like address like the logistics like okay like we're gonna like we have to hide but we also have to get your sister with us because mm-hmm. i thought she died like in that first issue she's just <laughs> they said she was in a coma so like oh yeah you're right they did but, but they, never... they don't show them carrying her body yeah or even addressing like hey we left her in like that one town <laughs> where it's safe mm-hmm. no so all of a sudden it's like oh yeah she actually has been she like her body's in a coma, but her consciousness has been like protecting or has been around and seeing everything. She is yeah. omnipresent. So it's uh it is like in the final issue, Nate in essence is told about like his destiny to grow up into cable mm-hmm. by Rachel, who's been yes. mind linked to him for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh and cable, if you don't know, he has like immense mutant powers, but he can't use them because he is constantly using them to keep the techno-organic virus at bay. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it's um, it's a whole thing of, like, he's a mutant, and he's one of the most powerful mutants, yeah. 
Yes. But he never does anything with his like mutant ability because it is he it is constantly being used to keep him alive. Okay. It's part of the drama of Cable. Yeah. Okay. So like she talks about that. We established that that's what's going to keep the technogranic virus from consuming him. She talks about how like, you know how like the one thing you want is like a family and a place to belong. Yeah. Sucks to suck, kid. You're never getting that. Don't even think about it. <laughs> right? I'll like, right now. <laughs> you exist purely to be a general in this war against the forces of evil. Mm-hmm. All right. You don't get a home. You don't get a family. You don't get to ever be happy. You are going to be a miserable 40-year-old man whose best friend is an undying Canadian who eats chimichangas. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it is a, a whole Oh my God, out of like the three Marvel characters that are Canadians, two of them are immortal. <laughs> I just thought about that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so she basically just like crushes this child's heart and is like, you're not like, you know why life sucks? Because you're not trying hard enough. The power is in you. That's the secret. It's all about what you release into the universe. <laughs> manifest it <laughs> right she's like come on kid let's create a vision board real fast <laughs> and this really great book i want to recommend <laughs> it's the secret yep and then if you pay 200 dollars, you can take my class about how you can create classes for other people to take classes to learn how to make their own classes yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> join my mlm little brother I learned from Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Uh. Oh my God. But so she has basically like this tough love pep talk with Cable in his subconscious. As a, yeah. He's like, as 13. a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like as a 13 year old, he wakes up and he's like, I know what I got to do. And so he runs up like to join his parents who, again, he still doesn't know where his parents or he does he at that point. He might have at that point. Either way. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. No. He still calls them slim and red and talks mm-hmm. about, like, don't leave me like my parents left me. It's a whole thing. Yeah. They fight Apocalypse. They manage to kill Apocalypse before Apocalypse can control Strife. And then Rachel eventually dies. Yes. Which sends Scott and Jean back into their bodies, which I can only assume are fish food at this point. <laughs> no. But probably. Yes. Better they have a really bad sunburn. Oh, my God. Like everyone's like, how is your honeymoon? Horrible. They're sh- they look like leather suitcases. Right. <laughs> Scott's like, I needed a vacation for my vacation. Oh, uh, <laughs> Scott, get <laughs> the fuck out of here, bro. Yes. He's gonna abandon us somewhere else. Thank you. <laughs> but they managed to defeat Apocalypse. Um, but the machinery that in the world that like Apocalypse has created, which is have very hierarchical which is very dystopian. You know, again, this is a sci-fi pulp novel as a comic yes. book, as a superhero yep. comic book. Yeah. It still exists. And so that's what Cable has to, has to grow up to fight against. We just kind of like, like this is, a, it's a prequel, you mm-hmm. know, we set up the entire story of Cable, the entire story of Strife, etc. And that's the plot. That is the plot. <laughs> that's what happens. Why did I pick it? Because it was like the one that had, scott and gene having to work together and i want to see their their dynamic but yeah miranda would you recommend this oh fuck no (laughs) you can can skip it it's at the time when it was written it wasn't it doesn't seem like it was very important it's definitely not important and very relevant now um the writing is pretentious as fuck the art is very 90s it's beautifully like architecturally it's beautiful Mm -hmm. it is beautiful you know if you want to read like a 
if you want to read like a space story, like a sci-fi story, there are better examples out there, but like the art very much falls in line with that genre. Um, and it's like, the thing with this book is it is so invested in like the great character, greater destinies of characters that it doesn't spend any time thinking about them as people. Yeah. Because like, it is horrific what everybody does to Nathan. It is horrific what Jean and Scott are party to. It is horrific what Rachel does. It is it is horrific and negligent and abusive as people who have responsibility for this child to put him in that situation, regardless of what like the greater good is. It is horrific what Strife goes through. It's a book that I think is supposed to paint Jean and Scott as the lovers and as the heroes. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it just removes every other character's agency in terms of telling like this greater sci-fi story. Would you recommend it? Not particularly. No, I think I the, I would recommend it at, like as a prequel to things like, oh, you like Cable? Like you should probably read this because it mm-hmm. explains him and why <laughs> he needs therapy. <laughs> right. How he has been so utterly failed by every adult in his life. Yeah, I don't think I would particularly recommend it. It is a quick read if you want to read it. It's four issues. They're like 20 pages each. But it's not like... I was confused most of it. And not just because I was like, who are these people? But it was more like it was just confusing. Yeah. Because the writing was more interested in being like a quote-unquote higher level of writing versus like something that made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you can skip it. <laughs> You'll be fine. Nothing would happen if you skip this. Everybody... like it, and. All the things that I found, they, like, summarize the plot in a paragraph. Yeah. So you can just not. It, it's not relevant to anything. It's a thing that came out because people were interested in other things. So. It um, had, like, popular characters selling you in a, like, cell. Yeah, exactly. Something. Yeah. Exactly. So. I would like to give a little bookmark in terms of where the love triangle is at now. Oh, yes, please. So this is not based on research. I do not have facts. I just know this from comic gossip. Yes. But they the way that they resolve the love triangle between like Cyclops, Wolverine, and Jean Grey is uh they decided not to make it a love triangle anymore. It is when the mutants pretty much all moved to Krakoa and created their own nation. Uh one of the sort of the core tenets of their government is like be fruitful and multiply. Yes. <laughs> and as a result, a lot of social conventions with relate in terms of like relationships and in terms of like family structures get dissolved. Mm-hmm. And so how how that translates is Jean, Logan, and Scott all move into a fuck mansion. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, they have three bedrooms. Uh Jean's is in the center. So she gets her own space, but there is no door between. Space. Logan and Scott's rooms on either side of her so you know all three of them can come together whenever they like mm-hmm. yeah and I think there's been artwork with them like <laughs> you know like canoodling yeah um so yeah they're in a poly relationship right <laughs> and if that works for them it works for them I yeah. just hope that she finally has agency and is you know treated you know like if we're gonna write a character you know Mm -hmm. care about them (laughs) justice for Mariko, justice for madeline Mm -hmm. yeah what the fuck chris (laughs) wild bro wild take like Um, i i hope that madeline gets her revenge dress moment i hope that people at some point call scott on his shit 
Yeah. I hope that at one point her and Cable get to or got to interact and have like that moment of like, I have always loved you, you know, because that's bullshit. That is bullshit. That is her baby that she loved. She was abandoned with that baby, but she that was her kid. The fact that like her her involvement in his life gets completely thrown to the wayside in favor of Scott's Scott's man pain. Fuck that. Once again, right. we know there is no femme or women in the room. <laughs> There's no, <laughs> just a bunch of dudes. No women in the writer's room. Once again, what a shock. Yeah. But yeah, so that was uh, the, the Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Next week, we'll be reading 1987, Son of the Demon. Yeah. Uh, who is the writer? Well, uh, while you're doing that, um, we are the sidekicks. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can email us at the sidekicks at gmail.com. I repeat the sidekicks, capital T H E, capital S E I D, capital K I C K S at gmail.com. We check semi regularly. Additionally, you can also follow us on Instagram. We are the sidekicks on Instagram. If you work in the comics industry, if you have a recommendation, if you just want to give us like some feedback or have it. Or like chit chat with us. Send us a message at any time. Like I said, we do check. Um, if you would like to follow me directly, I am Dynamite Miranda on TikTok. Uh, Dino is in Dinosaur. Mighty is in Mighty Mouse. Miranda, that's my name. Don't wear it out. I'm your friendly neighborhood amateur Batman historian. I talk about comic books. Where can the people find you, Aleda? People can find me on TikTok and Instagram as Orchat Um, I do art, art videos. It's a good time. Uh, <laughs> then um, just again for next time we're reading Son of the Demon it's a Batman comic mm-hmm. yeah yep. and it is by Mike W. Barr and Jerry Bingham mm-hmm. yeah so. so we did not say it earlier but uh, for the month of February our theme is toxic love yes so we have a lot of <laughs> we do <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we'll talk to you all, talk to you talk to you all again okay, I hope you have a great week yeah. Uh, we don't have an outro song. So every week I make up a jingle. We were in the future and I don't know what future music would sound like. So I went a little rockabilly with it. Yeah.